Good morning, brothers and sisters. So since my homily last week was such a big hit, you know, everybody's been talking about it all week, I thought I would follow up with another message on gossip. Obviously, many people have brought to my attention just their reflections on the homily and, and the good things and the things they're struggling with, and I've tried to answer as many questions as possible, but I thought it would be a good idea just to add a few more details, primarily focus on how to deal with it, how to overcome it in our lives. If you weren't here last week, you didn't hear the homily, you can go on the website and find it and listen to it. So gossip is, is a, a major problem in our culture precisely because most of the media is about gossip. That's news, that's entertainment, that's music, talk radio shows, Facebook, Twitter, and whatever else exists, I don't know, those are the only two names of those app things that I, I stay away from, so I don't know. Most of it is just filled with gossip and or slander or other things. So we're constantly being inundated by it if we actively participate in any of these areas. Even the mainstream news, all of it, at least half of it is gossip. At least half of it. Stuff I shouldn't be hearing, certainly, stuff I'm not supposed to know about. I'd say one of the most famous and obvious ones in the last year was the Johnny Depp and uh, Amber Heard's trial. All of the media news, and uh, I mean, I have to admit, between you and me, near the end I was getting curious too, and I had to, I did watch a few videos about it, so I had to resist that. But it, it's tempting, it's difficult constantly being fed this information. Oh, we need to know what's going on. Why? What on earth does it do for you knowing about the problems in other people's lives? It helps you in no way. In fact, it hinders you. And how does it hinder you? It hinders you in the same way that just too much information in general isn't helpful. Knowledge, truth, these things are good for everyone. But data, facts, and information aren't for everyone. As parents, you inherently know this for your own children. You keep certain true information away from them because it's not helpful. They're either too immature or it's just not important. Doesn't mean the things that you know aren't true, just means that they're not ready for it. That's perfectly justified. But as adults, we think, oh, I'm, I'm mature enough. I need to know what's going on out there, really. Think about it for a moment. How well do you handle the information that you have? Are you able to maintain the peace of Christ in your heart? Are you able to continue to hear the voice of God and focus on him despite the chaos and bad things in the world? If you can't do that, then you can't handle the information. You have to stop listening to it, reading it, hearing it. You have to remove it from your life. I've mentioned many times how I often have to recommend people to stop watching the news in general because they're not strong enough to maintain peace and know what's going on in politics or church politics. How often do I have to try to calm people down because, oh, I read that the Holy Father's gonna do this. He's gonna say that. I said, what are you worried about? Whose church is this? Pope Francis's or Jesus Christ's? What do you really believe? Well, no, it's Jesus's church, but. No, there's no but. There's no but. You don't need to worry about things outside of your control. 
This was a lesson the Lord taught me many years ago to, in essence, shrink my worldview. I'm only responsible for certain things in this world, family, some relationships with friends, St. Dorothy's, Lincolnton. That's the sphere of my existence for the most part. And I only need a cursory knowledge of the Diocese of Charlotte. I don't need to know everything that goes on in this diocese, let alone the church or the world. And as long as I can keep my focus on these things of which the Lord has asked me to work and minister and care, then I can handle it because I have the grace from Christ to handle it. When I reach out to gain knowledge and information about things outside of my control, our Lord, more often than not, will not give me grace to handle it because he never wanted me to know about it. This easy access to data is not helpful for us most of the time. I'm not saying it isn't a great tool, but as with all tools, they need to be used rightly. Now, there's a reason why we like filling our minds with all of this useless and often harmful information. In essence, it's because it's distracting and entertaining. Now, there's nothing wrong with good entertainment, you know. That's a good, that's a blessing. We should rejoice when we are entertained. And there's nothing wrong necessarily with distractions. Sometimes you need them when you're going through some difficulties. But I would say upwards of 75 to 90% of what we're fed through the media or what we read and listen to and watch is not helpful distraction, is not holy entertainment. The reason we fill our minds and our thoughts with these things is because we don't want to, in truth, fill our minds with Christ. And we say, oh, Father, that's not true. I want Jesus to come into me, to fill my mind and my heart. Oh, really? You may think you want that, but let me explain what it looks like, what it feels like. And then you tell me which choice you've been making. You see, in our readings today, we are reminded, and this is the ancient prophecy, that the light would come into the world. And we know that Jesus is that light. He comes into the darkness of our world. He is the true light from on high. Without him, we are all in darkness. Now, when light is trying to reach somewhere, it can be blocked, right? There's any number of things. Walls can block light. Windows let it in. Now, truth is one of the ways that Jesus is the light. He's not obviously physical light when we refer to him as the truth. He's intellectual light. He wants his light to shine in your mind. Your mind was designed, not like your eyes to receive physical light, your mind was designed to receive intellectual light, the truth. The problem is there are things in your mind that block the truth. And so even though the light is trying to shine, it's being reflected. 
yeah, that's the right word. I was thinking refracted, reflected. Yeah, there's many things. In this case, it's being reflected. It can't get into certain areas of your mind. It can't reveal itself to you and help you find peace and help you grow in faith and in holiness because of all of these things in our lives that aren't helpful, that are in the way of Christ. Now, what does this have to do with gossip? There is a direct relationship between what comes out of my mouth and what is in my head. The reason we struggle with controlling our speech, whether it's just bad language, God forbid our Lord's name in vain, or gossip, is because we can't control our thoughts. People say, Father, I don't usually do this, but... Yeah, but obviously you do it sometimes, that's what matters, which means it's up here in your head. The only way for us to purify our language, our conversations, and even what we listen to, is to work on what's up in our head. So the first thing we have to do is begin, by God's grace, asking the Holy Spirit's guidance, Our Lady's intercession, to remove from your lives those distractions, that information that you don't need that isn't helpful. And it can be piecemeal. Sadly, in many respects, we can become addicted to these things. So you may have to slowly curtail it and remove it step by step out of your life. Some of you may be cold turkey and that's it, okay. Regardless, you need to be praying about this. One of the things that will greatly help you in this regard is meditation something the, the church and the saints always talk about it. I've, I've, I've talked about it very many times. But the reason meditation is so difficult for us who are fixated on all the noise, the intellectual noise, is that when we are first quiet and trying to reflect and allow the light into our minds, the first thing the light does, the first thing Christ does, is he illuminates all the other things that are blocking him, which are basically your false beliefs and your sins. My false beliefs and my sins. I'm not picking on you. It's all of us. Now, I might not want to change that belief, to alter that behavior. And so when the light of Christ, when I'm quiet and meditating and the light of Christ shines in that area in my mind, I might not like what it's revealing. And so I close the window. I close the door and I say, no, 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 I'm not going to do this anymore. And I stop meditating. The majority of people can't spend any real time meditating because it's too difficult. It's too painful because they don't want the light. I'm not saying they don't want it on some intellectual level because they know it's good. But when it comes down to it, when the light begins to shine in our minds, we don't like the truth that it reveals. Because the truth is, I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. I'm broken. And I'm going to have to go through a lot of change to allow Christ to fix me. That's why we prefer the entertainment and the distraction. Because it prevents us from thinking about all the ways in which we need to repent and change our lives. But that... You have to understand, brothers and sisters, that is only the first step that the light performs. 
once you get through that first hurdle of, gosh darn it, I'm gonna have to change a lot and this is not going to be pleasant, once you get over that hump in the spiritual life, everything is much better after that. It is only the initial fear. You must have courage. You must trust in the Lord. If you do this and you get over that fear of your pride, fear of losing it, fear of again being wrong and sinful and broken, if you're willing to accept that and trust in Jesus Christ, then through the sacraments, of course, but through prayer and meditation, you will begin to see God and hear his voice all around you. All around you. So, as with most things, like Jesus says in the gospel today, the main message he brings is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's at hand for you today. So, if there are any of these ways in which you still struggle and sin and you know about it, first bring it to confession. You need the grace of the sacrament. You need our Lord to forgive you, and he provides special graces to help you fight those temptations and sins. Then, after confession, you start meditating. And how do you do it? You just start small. I, I recommend generally, if you've never spent any real time meditating, just, just two minutes every morning. If mornings are really, really bad for you, fine, two minutes before you go to bed at night where you sit quietly, do your best to quiet your mind, and you can focus on a single line in the Bible, in the scriptures. Just a, a thought from one of the saints. Just something holy that you can trust. Just focus on that and put yourself in our Lord's presence. And open yourself to whatever he wants to say to you or show you. Now, the first stages of doing this, again, are always uncomfortable and difficult, and most people do not make it through the first hurdle. So they give up. They would go back to their entertainment and distractions. I'm not saying you can't watch movies or read books or check the news out now and then. I'm not saying that. Moderation. But if you can't sit quietly for two minutes, it's because you are afraid to be alone with yourself and with the Lord. And you need courage. Pray for courage. Pray for perseverance. And you have to do it faithfully. There are going to be days in which something happens and you can't get your meditation, and that's fine. But get back to it the next day. This has to be a consistent thing. Ideally, for the average layperson, I would say bare minimum five minutes of quiet meditation a day. That's besides the rosary I recommend to you and any other prayers you want to say. Five minutes of quiet reflection and meditation a day. When I was a religious brother, we were required 30 minutes of silent meditation every morning. That's besides the rosary and the chaplet and the bravery and mass and holy hour and everything else. So we had to sit there quietly, focused on something from the scriptures usually for 30 minutes. And the first time I was learning this, it was very difficult. And to up the ante, as a religious, you have to do a retreat every year. And ours were always silent retreats. So the first time as a postulant, I did a seven-day silent retreat. I had a nervous breakdown three days into it. I had never been that quiet in my life. I couldn't handle it. It was honestly too much for me. 
So I went to my, my confessor, my spiritual director, and I said, I, I can't do this anymore. You gotta let me out. You know, I, I, I don't think I'm meant for this. I didn't even know what was wrong with me. I was having a panic attack. And he explained how this is completely normal. When somebody learns to quiet their mind, it's so overwhelming, they can't handle it at first. So he gave me permission that once a day I could come and sit and talk with him for an hour. And that, that's what got me through the week. I just got one hour a day just talking. I, would just, I didn't even know what I talked about. Just I needed to talk and needed to share with somebody. And it helped. Then the following year, I was able to go through the whole week without any problems. So again, these things are normal for us. They're normal struggles, but it's something, by God's grace, we have to push through. We have to work on. The sacraments are the first step for each one of us, predominantly confession for the forgiveness of those sins that are in the way. The Eucharist to strengthen us, to have the strength to persevere. And then our own daily prayer. It's learning to quiet your mind. If you cannot quiet your mind, you will never be able to master your speech. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.